0: Welcome to the Nomadic Mindset Season One. My name is Kevin Cottam, a global nomad and the author of the leadership book, The Nomadic Mindset Never Settle for Too Long. Over the season, we will go on a journey to discover what is the nomadic mindset and how you can tap into that. For this, I will be interviewing a diverse group of cross-cultural thought leaders from all walks of life. So let's get on with it. Let's go nomading together. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of The Nomadic Mindset. And if you're tuning in today for the first time, thank you for taking the time to come and explore ideas and thoughts. In this episode, The Nomadic Mindset meets the HR profession, or what might be commonly known today are people officers. Hmm, interesting new title. Our guest today is head of HR and global chief people officer at Chapman CG. Chapman CG is a global executive search firm that is dedicated exclusively to the HR profession. Pretty cool. Part of her responsibility are to grow and develop the global organization while providing insights on HR trends to their global network. We're going to have a little bit of those HR trends today. This would be the inspiring and curious nomad herself, who has lived and worked in Asia, South America, and Australia, And currently hails from Singapore. I invite you all to welcome Stephanie Nash, the people officer of Chapman CG. Let's find out from Stephanie about those trends. And to start with, let's ask what is that new title? Why people officer?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question and and one that I've gotten a couple of times. And I think that one of the things that I've noticed over the probably the last five years is that the shift has started to occur because the employee population really provided feedback suggesting that just the notion and the term of human resources versus people makes the, the individuals feel like commodities or literally resources versus the, the human warm people that they that they are and that we hear a lot more feedback from employees about what their expectations are with regards to how they're treated what their role is within the organization and that they really want to be recognized and acknowledged as valuable assets valuable individuals that are core and required within an organization and not just a, a commodity that we can turn on and off and increase and decrease productivity, et cetera. So I think it, it's really about the value that individuals within organizations want to be seen to, to
0: have. Uh, it's very interesting because interest, I, one thing that I found interesting recently is that I asked an accountant because I was quite curious about credits and debits and and also deficits and often what happens is is that in that bottom line is that the employees are actually a deficit to a company as opposed to a credit. And which I found interesting in that sense that, you know, you're talking about deficits and you're talking about a commodity is that, yes, the human being is actually a huge asset and it should not be seen as a deficit. Otherwise, they wouldn't have a company, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really interesting perspective, because as we see so much shift happen in the world today with regards to the accelerated pace and introduction of technology, mm. at the end of the day, technology is changing the way that we work, changing the access to information and data that we have. But it is actually humans that write the code that creates the technology that's giving us access to the data and the information. So while we'll put on our P&L that the technology and the IP associated with the technology is is a credit and a, a valuable asset, as are the people who are writing the code and interpreting the information that is coming to us and at us through that access to technology. So I would say we're we're highly dependent upon the people that we we hire and engage and retain within our organizations, and they are a massive asset to us. Mm. Perhaps more than they have been in the past.
0: Ah, oh, perhaps more than in the past. That's a curious thing. So why would you say that perhaps more than in the past? Is that because there's a possibility of you know the business model today of the 21st century is not the business model of or should not have be should not be for most people saying of the 20th century and it is completely shifted in many ways so please share with a little bit more about what you're talking about
1: so so i think one of the challenges that we're facing today and this has been increasing um over time as we hear about the war for talent and um, that i would consider sort of a an old term now, but the reality is that the supply and demand ratio of, of talent, particularly technical talent, available to us today is off. We need more people than are trained, educated, skilled, and capable in the areas of data science, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, virtual reality, etc. And we're there's just a, there's a deficit. In, in terms of the number of people available out there in the workforce. And we are all, no matter what size of company, no matter what industry that we're in, whether we're private sector, public sector, whatever the case may be, we are all looking for the same talent and there's just not sufficient volume um, yes. or supply of that talent. So the, the risk to company success, risk to company survival, let alone thriving, relative to to competitors and what's needed in this industry is, is really at risk given the the lack of available talent.
0: Why would there be a lack of available talent? Is it because of education, uh, schools or I mean I suppose that also shifts and changes around the world depending on the countries and cult- cultures. Would you say that also or
1: I don't think that it completely varies by country. I think there is a global challenge with the that supply-demand ratio being off, meaning no matter where your company is headquartered, no matter where your company is operating, the dependency upon digital capability and technology is increasing at a, a more rapid rate than we can graduate or educate or train mm-hmm. talent. Mm-hmm. So I think that's I do think it's a global issue. perhaps more and less so in depending on the size of the market. China, India may have a lesser issue than a smaller market, but I do believe they continue to have an issue because they're also exporting a lot of talent from their markets. But I also believe that there are challenges from an educational perspective, because our educational, this would vary more by country. I would believe, though I'm not the the expert, but our education systems, generally speaking, Haven't changed, whether it be the structure of education or the content or the curriculum or the ways of teaching, haven't changed at the same pace as industry has changed and the dependent and the introduction of technology has changed the way industry works. So, for example, we continue to have education systems pre-university, where you start at 8 a.m., you end at 3 p.m., you have eight classes of 40 minutes each, and you have standard curriculum that's required, and you have curriculum that's optional, etc. That structure is not how we work anymore. Mm-hmm. We don't work from 8 to 3 in eight blocks of 40 minutes, as an example, where the way that we, we learn, the way that we teach is is the same in standard across each subject area. It's just just not how we work. So I think we need to ask ourselves, are we preparing students as they're growing up and going through the education system, whether it's undergraduate or, or graduate level, for the workforce of today and the workforce of the future? And I think there are many experts out there that would say, no, we're not there and we're not moving, we're not changing fast enough. And so the risk is that the problem becomes more acute rather than us closing the gap between having employees who are ready for the workforce of the future versus the workforce of today.
0: Mm. Wow. Education systems. Yes. I think that that's a sort of a global issue of where there seems to be this sort of very much mindset and continuum of a very old system of the 20th century and maybe even into the 19th century as well. And, it's, again, a mindset in some ways. And we've talked about mindset, you and I, on with regards to the nomadic mindset and the builder mindset and settler mindset. And do you think that mindset comes into this as far as education and the, the changes that are needed? Absolutely.
1: I actually believe it is the differentiator because we can educate and train and develop skills mm-hmm. through structured and unstructured means. However, it is actually the mindsets that differentiate us. So, for example, given the pace of technology introduction, given the access to unlimited data that we have as a result of technology, it really creates an emphasis and a greater need for the people who are having access to reviewing either writing code or reviewing data to have the right kinds of behaviors and mindsets in place and that we're really ensuring that we've got people who can think deeply about solving problems and are able to think very critically about the rich data sets that they have in front of them. They need to be able to coordinate and collaborate with others and to be able to demonstrate high levels of compassion and empathy and to have very significant levels of, of self as well as social awareness. And so I I, I think that our need and the imperative to be fostering and developing mindsets that complement the skills that we're building and that we're expecting in, in students and employees is absolutely critical. Mm. And that's what will affect, you know, one of the, one of the big challenges we have is around the concerns around ethical behavior and the ethics associated with the use of, of data and information that companies and public sector, the private sector now have about all of us. And so we want to have a level of confidence that the people who are looking at that data and manipulating that data and having access to that data are doing it with an ethical mindset. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's it's crucial, isn't it, today? I mean, otherwise we're sort of lost and everybody's watching us and listening to us and thinking about us and um, we don't know where we are. We don't have any sort of private time as well, But I like what you're talking about here with regards to the mindset as the differentiator. Okay, if we then think about this, is that when you hire and when you do an executive search for HR professionals, what are you looking at? Are you looking at their mindset so that they have a broad sense of a mindset or they have a nomad or builder or settler mindset, as we've talked about before? Or are you looking mainly at the schools? What What are you really looking for so that they can deal with what you're talking about earlier, about education, about bringing people in that also have all of the technical education and stuff like that? So what are you looking for today?
1: I think mindset and behavior is absolutely critical and for an HR professional or a people professional. Um, it is the differentiator. We can we can buy or build the technical skills that we need to do our job, mm. um, and certainly the more progressed within an organization one comes, the ability to to build out teams of people who have those those individual skills. But it's not just about what we do as HR people professionals; it's about how we do it. Mm. So the behaviors that we exhibit and the mindset that we bring to problem solving which requires critical thinking and ensuring that we're bringing a commercial or business mind into meetings or how we approach addressing or solving people issues. It's ensuring that we're approaching situations and thinking through the various scenarios and potential outcomes of making a particular decision or taking a particular action or communicating a particular message. Nothing's black and white. We need to really be able to navigate through through the shades of gray. And, mm-hmm. and that's irrespective of the policies, practices, norms, expectations that we have within an organization. There's always an unknown variable, which is the people and how they're going to react and how they're going to behave. And we can have a group of people and we shouldn't expect that every one person is going to respond or react in the same way. Mm-hmm. So as an HR professional or a people professional, we need to be able to deal with Ambiguity and think through scenarios and address issues not only in terms of what we want the outcome to be, but to anticipate what the risks or challenges or potential options are going to be when we take a specific action. So, an HR executive or an HR professional really needing to be able to deal with ambiguity and uncertainty and change is an imperative.
0: And how do you look for this? Because you have, I think, from, you know, your executive search, you do a very, very thorough global search and, and also thorough, from what I've read and, and watched, a little bit about what you're doing. And so how do you actually assess that, whether they're really working from that point of view of uh, the there's, mindset? There's
1: a lot of it. there's There's many different ways. And actually, you know, technology is really advancing in this area in a disruptive way, actually, for for search firms and also for HR, but in a very positive way for companies. Mm. So I think it it depends on the questions that you ask and how you ask those questions and how you engage in, in interviews. And in a more traditional way, that would be your your face-to-face conversations that you have with a candidate. Then that's obviously... Advanced in terms of the ability to do remote interviewing by by video or whatever the case may be, to also having many types of technologies out there that are doing assessment and using artificial intelligence and virtual reality to ask behavioral based questions and to be able to assess integrity of responses, quality of responses to then lead to new probing questions to further deep dive on on the, the depth or quality or reality of, of someone's responses to also doing psychometric testing and, and other forms of assessment that is now can now be done in a, a more a better, faster and cheaper manner than it used to be, which was very manual in nature. And so we're seeing a lot of disruptive but really interesting and and Helpful technology in in the space of assessment,
0: it's mm. oh, great that you're seeing so many different varieties of ways of assessing, which is fantastic. It's interesting is is that when I spoke at the H R summit in Singapore, I did a an assessment a, a little bit of an assessment in a polling to find out what was the measurement and the quantities in the room of HR professionals, about one hundred and twenty in there. And to look at the nomadic mindset, builder mindset, and the settler mindset. And the first question I asked them was, what do you think is your mindset? And -hmm. the majority of them said they were builders Mm -hmm. and some settlers, but very few nomads. And then when I asked the question, well, what do you think that your organization needs more of? And they all, well, not all, but I mean, the majority went down builder and went up. Very high in the nomad. So, what do you take from that, sort of, as a broad thinking? You know, with what you need in organizations when you are hiring, so talent management. What
1: yeah, I know? mean, I think it's it's a it's an interesting point in time and, and almost a dilemma that I would say. I mean, I, I one of the things that I, I love so much about the nomadic mindset is the concept around thinking vastly and acting narrowly. I think that just is. Just really captures how we as HR professionals need to be thinking and acting in the world that we're in today, where you know innovation is absolutely critical, and the ability for an organization to innovate in a manner that outpaces competitor, known competitors and unknown disruptors is crucial. So, what you heard in that room of people doesn't completely surprised me. I think historically, we've needed and expected to have a balance of, of settlers and, and builders, people who can operate and run the business and make sure that we meet our KPIs and meet our targets and we do things safely, etc. And that, that's really kind of core operations. And we don't challenge the status quo per se. We just we do what we say we're going to do consistently. And then we have the builders and the builder mindset, where we might be incubating and innovating new businesses or or growing existing businesses. And we need to be strategic and able to think about and anticipate what's going to be required in the future and have plans in place to to execute against that. Where we're now in a, a world, and have been for the last few years, where there is more unknown than known. And it's happening faster. So just the pace of change is incredible. So that nomadic mindset, the ability to innovate in any role that you're in, we don't just need innovation departments or people or roles within departments that are innovators. We need everyone to be innovating. And that requires that nomadic mindset, the the ability to, to anticipate risk and volatility and the uncertainty and the, the amount of change and ambiguity that's happening day to day, and quit 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that's, it's unfamiliar, it's uncomfortable, and we don't have enough people comfortable, competent, capable to operate in that space today.
0: Okay, so then I guess that brings us back to culture. It brings us back to education. It brings us back to all those that are not allowing, perhaps, that creativity, that innovation, that broad thinking that is desired today, would that be part of the situation, the problems, the mix?
1: Oh, completely. I mean, I think this is where, in HR, we really need to be leading the way. You know, I believe that, that leaders can and should set the tone within the organization that they're operating in. And some of the most significant barriers to change and transformation are related to leadership and culture because if the culture which is fostered by the leadership are not aligned in terms of the actions and behaviors that are happening and that are measured and monitored within the organization and ultimately rewarded and recognized then employees won't have trust and confidence that the changes that are being messaged are actually going to be stick so are going to stick within the organization they just they lose trust because we don't do what we say we're going to do we don't act in a way that is consistent with who we say we are as an organization and what we value within our organization. So so typically, for example, we're driving change and transformation for the purposes of innovation. Therefore, we need leaders who recognize this and organizations that have processes in place that demonstrate they value it because that's how innovation emerges. And that means values like collaboration and teamwork, continuous learning and curiosity, risk-taking and rapid experimentation and and ensuring an environment that fosters the inclusion of diverse perspectives and experiences needs to be in place, understood, recognized, and rewarded, not just in terms of what leaders say, but the actions that they take. Because if employees see misalignment between what companies and leaders say is important and the, the actions and behaviors that manifest themselves in the organization and are are promoted or recognized or rewarded, they won't believe and they won't be engaged and they they won't, the risk is that they won't follow through on what the organization needs of them because they don't trust and there's fear. And in HR, we have a critical role to play with leaders and fostering culture and ensuring that there's alignment between what a company says is important and the processes and actions and outcomes that show up day to day are aligned.
0: Would you then need to have, thinking about this, HR professionals that are strong enough then to go to the leader and say, look, I don't believe what you're doing is correct or that we're seeing a misalignment here with what you're saying and what's happening. We need to shift that. Do you have strong enough HR people that will be able to do that?
1: Well, I think that's an interesting question because I think there's two parts to it. Okay. It's, do you have the HR leaders who have the confidence and the capability and the competence to have those conversations? And then secondly, do you have a culture that will allow that HR leader to take that risk, to have that conversation with their mm. business leader without fear of repercussions?
2: Mm.
1: Which is, so, so for example, um, we all have people we know in organizations who are incredibly strong performers. They consistently quarter on quarter, month on month, year on year, deliver results, but they treat people horribly along the way. Mm -hmm. So at what, or or they treat people in a way that is not consistent with the stated values of the organization. They don't demonstrate teamwork or collaboration or whatever. They leave a lot of collateral damage, but they get results. That's a tricky conversation, Mm -hmm. but an important one, because When the others, the rest of the team, the rest of the business unit, whatever, see this particular individual, this particular leader, get consistently promoted or rewarded or recognized for delivering results, but they don't behave in a way that is consistent with the company culture and the company values, the rest of the employees see, we don't really mean what we say. The the leaders and the top executives in this organization aren't really prepared to take action with people who don't operate in a way that is consistent with our company values. And that's where the actions need to be consistent with the expectations because the risk is that you lose employee trust.
0: Which is also very interesting because when I was doing my research for the book, and this comes into when I was working with the Maasai, is that the basis of building trust was through becoming a warrior and what was that warrior status was really about learning to respect others to collaborate with others otherwise you would not kill the line you wouldn't be protected in that sense but it was I said well how do you gain respect and they said well it's by saying what you're going to say and do it and you follow through and there needs to be a consistency on an ongoing basis. And if you're not consistent, then people will see that and experience that, and they will not then trust you. And so it came from gaining respect leads to trust, and which is, which is interesting what you're talking about. It's a very similar thought. And so, you know, human beings are human beings, right? And, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there's a tremendous amounts of consistency with what you experience with the Maasai and what yeah. we see in organizations.
1: Respect and trust are
0: are crucial. Yeah, absolutely. And so therefore, how are you, when you choose for HR professionals for specific companies, are you also help finding people that are aligned with that company, like in the values of the HR person and also of the organization or, or do you look at that or,
1: We do. I mean, I think one of the things that does differentiate us as an organization is that because we specialize in human resources, so we're a global executive search firm that specializes in human resources. So we believe that we are able to really build strong relationships with our clients and also with our candidates and understanding what is important in a given organization, what is the culture of a given organization and and an HR team as well. And to think about candidates, assess candidates, talk to candidates in a manner that is taking into account what that cultural fit is likely to be. Because different different companies have different cultures, different candidates bring different strengths and expectations and, and our role is to matchmake and try and find the the right fit. And so as we work with clients over time and we work with candidates over time, we get to know each better and are better able to fulfill those sort of matchmaking expectations in a pretty rapid and thorough manner.
0: I love the way you use the word matchmaking. It's very much a relationship, isn't it? And it's finding those relationships. Well, everything's a relationship actually, isn't it? So uh, the matchmaking is it gives it a nice tone to it. And so with that in HR, what would then be, are there specific trends that are happening that you see, you know, for the future of hiring and moving in a different way when you start looking at HR professionals?
1: Yeah, I think there's a few different areas that are really standing out for us. Um, We do a global outlook survey and a quarterly update to the HR community about what we're seeing, what we're hearing, et cetera. And some of those trends really emphasize the need for um, organization development and really building the ability to operate and build and navigate more agile organizations. And some of what we talked about earlier, really the ability to be an agent of change and the ability to lead transformational change within an organization. We hear a lot about digital transformation, innovation, customer centricity, whatever the transformation that an organization is going through. We need HR leaders and HR professionals who are equipped and able to to lead change increasingly. And this has been kind of something that we've been looking at for quite a while now, but that really commercial acumen and HR leaders who are business leaders, not just functional professionals, and really the ability to understand the commercial implications of decisions and actions and, and what's important within an organization in a forward-thinking way. Probably a couple of others would be really the the ability to, to think about and leverage new technologies in HR. There's a lot happening New technology, HR startups, etc and our ability as HR leaders to bring new innovations into the business that create efficiency and effectiveness and higher levels of engagement compared to the more traditional ways that we've been comfortable with over the last you know many many years and with that, I would say starting to emerge and I'm pleased to hear and I think we're going to need a lot more of but but a focus around wellness and mindfulness and and well-being, given that we're all working in a 24 by 7 environment. And the access to devices and data and communications all the time is increasing the, the need for us to be thinking about and building into our organizations more mindful and well-being oriented practices.
0: Well, that's quite a list, actually, from organizational development, becoming more agile, agents of change, commercial acumen, to be able to leverage new technologies and wellness. Wow, it's a big prospect, isn't it, of of trying to match people that have all of this into the future. So again, I come back to mindset. and I, I guess what I would like to ask in the final moments of this is what? then do you feel it's very important if an HR professional is listening to this or anyone is what is the thing about mindset that they could do to improve their mindset?
1: It's a great question. I think probably I would say the biggest one would be to demonstrate and be curious and open to continuous learning because we're just in an environment where no one knows the answer. Mm. No No one knows what the future really is going to look like. No one really knows how a person or a team or an organization is going to respond to a new disruption or a new challenge or a new change. So we really need to approach our work, our life, our responsibilities with a level of curiosity and thinking about what am I going to learn from this experience? How am I going to prepare myself? For this experience how am i going to leverage the relationships and the people that i know around me and the access to to other kinds of resources in a way that are going to help me navigate this new experience
0: wow that's great i mean curiosity openness the leveraging this is all very much a nomadic mindset and from the behaviors that i have recognized with this nomadic mindset so That's. It seems like what you're talking about on so many levels is really opening to this mindset and is needed desperately in many ways for the progress of of organizations today. And interestingly enough, one of the people that I've talked to on the podcast has said that, you know, Digital transformation is actually out. That's not the key word anymore. And I said, oh my God, what's the next one? <laughs> it's all these buzzes. And he said, it's business model transformation, which includes digital. It's, we need to create new business models, which are for the 21st century. So I guess what you are also saying and what he's saying is very, very similar is that we need to create these different business models that include HR professionals that have, and also all of the talent within, have more of these behaviors? Oh,
1: absolutely. I think it, it also comes back to the phrase that I love from the nomadic mindset around thinking vastly and acting narrowly. Because a lot of what we've talked about today is theoretical, hypothetical, blue sky, big picture thinking. But as HR professionals, we need to be able to think, but we also need to be able to do and execute and, and have an impact, not just in what we say, but the outcomes that we need to see with an organization to to move things forward.
0: Wow. It's a lot. And I want to thank you very much, Stephanie. You're such a wise person when it comes to HR and many other factors. And I love the way you see things in the world and not only in your your work world, but in the world in general. And I want to thank you very much for being here and helping us all to know a little bit more about HR and what's needed for the future.
1: Thank you so much, Kevin. I love the work that you're doing and I look forward to continuing to, to have these interesting conversations and discussions over time.
0: You have been listening to the nomadic mindset season one. My name is Kevin Cottom and I invite you to find out more about the nomadic mindset at thenomadicmindset.com. until next time. Make it a point to go nomading and start discovering your nomadic mindset.